Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. Today we celebrate Dr. Dorch's last sermon at Mountain Brook Baptist Church. As we look forward to what God has in store for our congregation, let's listen to his last sermon entitled, A Perfect Aim. The big idea is while no church is perfect, every church should strive to be a whole one. Hear now this reading of God's word from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, the 13th chapter, the 11th verse, the word of God for the people of God. Finally, brothers and sisters, goodbye. Aim for perfection. Listen to my appeal. Be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. May God add his blessings to this, the reading of his word. As a hapless golfer, hopelessly in search of a better game, I cannot tell you over the course of my life how many golf instruction books I have read and how many golf instructions videos I have seen. Now, even if you are not a golfer, you could not care less about golf. It is the last thing on the earth that interests you. Surely, surely you can at least appreciate someone with an obsession about something that he is willing to go to every length whatsoever to get better at that thing. That would be me when it comes to golf. And now that I'm moving into retirement and I'm not going to have a church to blame my weak game on anymore, I'm going to have to find another excuse. It was that thought that came to me a couple of weeks ago as I was going through my library in the office trying to decide which books I was going to keep, which books I was going to toss. Now, that was a tough time for me, I have to tell you. When you think about 43 years of ministry and the tools that you have relied upon to know which tools you choose to keep in the event that God might continue to give you opportunities and which tools you might wish to pass on. And I did pass on those books to the staff, to other students from Beeson. And last week I took the rest of the volumes out to Beeson for the student body to take advantage of. And as I was going through the library, among those tools were some golf instruction books. And as I looked at those books yet again, there was one book in particular that I said to myself, Doug, you need to make sure that you get this book in a place, in a box, where you won't have any problem finding it. Golfers who are here among the congregation, you probably can guess which book I'm speaking of. It's Harvey Pinnock's Little Red Book in which that classic teacher from Texas offers these gems of golfing wisdom in just this form that 
golfers of every level can appreciate and identify with and all importantly replicate among them his most essential maxim, golfers you know this, take dead aim. It's the one word of instruction Pinnock said he gave to every one of his students regardless of the level at which that student played, take dead aim. Now, you would expect a Texan to offer that instruction. But even if you're not from Texas, if you're from Alabama, you know what it means that when it comes to golf, you've, you've got to have this laser focus. I mean, you've got to be locked in on your target. You can't let any other thoughts creep into your mind other than where you're trying to direct that ball. Otherwise, if you do happen to hit a good shot, more than likely it will be totally because of your luck, take dead aim. When you think about it, you know, that's not a bad lesson to keep in mind regardless of what you're talking about in this life. Regardless of what you feel led to pursue, regardless of what your particular obsession may be, whatever you want to accomplish in the course of this life, knowing that you have a goal in mind, that you have an outcome that you want to achieve, that you have a focus, a laser focus in that direction. What is the old saying? Aim, aim at nothing. Aim at nothing, and that's exactly what you're going to hit. Because if you don't have a clear purpose, direction, goal, aim, outcome in your life, the chances are not even luck, not even luck will bail you out. Come to think of it, that's, that's not far from the teaching that the Apostle Paul was offering in this passage of Scripture that I've read for you from his second letter to the church at Corinth. Now you know, you know from your time in Sunday school or your, your time sitting in a pew listening to sermons or just through your daily devotional reading. You know about the church at Corinth. You talk about a messed up church. You talk about a dysfunctional and distracted church. The church at Corinth was as unfocused as any group of Christians could ever have been. I like to say that you, you, think, you think of a challenge, no, let me say it more strongly. You, you think of a problem that any church might face today. You go back and you read 1st and 2nd Corinthians and you'll see that problem was already experienced. It had already surfaced among those believers in Corinth. And in his first letter... Paul takes great pains 
to answer all of the questions and the concerns and to address all of the division and the factions and the distractions that existed in that church. He gave them detailed instructions as to how they were to direct their time and their energy as Jesus' disciples. But the church at Corinth didn't get any better. They did not improve. If anything, they got worse. So Paul had to write a second letter to the church. And in that second letter to the church, Paul ends up having to defend himself because between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, the believers in Corinth began to turn on Paul saying all kinds of horrible things about that apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Paul, he, he thinks highly of himself. He's always boasting about his experiences with Jesus. I don't know if he's an apostle. He wasn't one of the original 12 Jesus chose, and so could it be, could it be that that Paul has been going out trying to promote himself on the basis of false credentials. And have you ever noticed, Paul talks an awful lot about money. He is obsessed with money. And if you don't believe that I am explaining the situation as pain, plainly as it was, you just go back and read 2 Corinthians for yourself. It was a difficult letter for the Apostle Paul to write. And yet, what amazes me about Paul's heart and his soul and his openness to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, in this second letter, Paul does not bawl out the Corinthians. And he doesn't bail on them. But again, in his second letter, he very meticulously addresses all of their concerns. I don't boast about anything but Jesus. Jesus appeared to me in the same way that he did the others. And my experience with him has changed my life. It's changed it for the better. And I've come to discover in my own life, God loves a cheerful giver. So you give not begrudgingly, you give openly in response to the grace that has come to you. And he just goes on and throughout the letter, he's just being as kind and magnanimous as you would expect a great teacher to be. And he comes to the end of his letter, this 13th chapter, and he offers the church what I think is the loftiest aim that anyone could ever give a congregation. He tells them, aim for perfection. He doesn't tell them to take dead aim. He elevates their aspirations. He invites them to take, dare we say, a living aim. Aim higher, higher than you might ever imagine you would be able to aim. Aim for perfection. 
via people. Listen to my appeal, brothers and sisters. Encourage one another, some of the translations read. Agree with one another and grow with one another. And the God of peace, joy will abide with you forever. On this last Sunday, as your senior minister, what a privilege it has been. I can't think of a better word to leave with a congregation than this word that Paul left with the church at Corinth. Now understand, not because you are dysfunctional people. You're not a distracted people. This is a laser-focused congregation. But precisely, precisely because the ceiling of this church is as high as heaven in order to become in the days ahead all of the church that God yearns for you to be and all of the church that you want to be and all of the church Jesus is redeeming you to be. To be even more of the church that you have been over the course of your 77-year history. It's a good Sunday for us, I think, to look at Paul's words, his instructions, and, and to consider very briefly this, this blueprint. It's a blueprint that Paul lays out for a church that wants to be even more of the church that Jesus is calling it to be. And so notice how in the first place Paul talks about how important it is for believers in Jesus to encourage one another. Encourage one another. Church, when you think about this, particularly in Western culture, church is the only place where people come together not in order to compete against one another but to cooperate with one another for a greater mission. Have you ever thought about that? Now I don't have anything against competition. I grew up in a retail family. My dad instilled from me from a very early age competition is a good thing whether you're talking about business or athletics, or academics, nothing wrong with challenging yourself to excel in whatever you have before you. But the beautiful thing about the body of Christ, as Paul had said in his first letter to the church at Corinth, is that the church is to be coordinated, that Everyone in the church is important, special, vital to be able to fulfill the mission that God has given the church. So there's not a hierarchy in the church. Some people are not more important. Some people are not less important. Everyone works together to encourage the church to fulfill the mission that God has given to it. When you think about how we exist in a world where discouragement abounds and where in so many other areas and domains people seem obsessed with bringing other people down. Church is the one place 
where people have the opportunity to build one another up. And as we think here at Mountain Brook Baptist Church about the great encouragement that so many of us have received over the years, certainly the encouragement that I have received as your senior minister over these last 10 years. What a joy it has been. If there's anything that this church excels at, it is this spirit of encouragement. Because this congregation knows discouragement is a dead aim, but encouragement, supporting one another, building one another up, that, my brothers and sisters, is a living aim that takes us higher and farther than we ever thought possible. And so Paul says to the church, aim for perfection that involves encouraging one another. It involves something else. It involves agreeing with one another. Paul tells the church very specifically, agree with one another, which... As a Baptist minister who's been doing this for 43 years, I have to tell you, when I think back over the number of churches that I've served, including this church, there's one thing that characterizes us Baptists. It is the manner in which we are so prone to disagree with one another over anything and everything. I always say you get 10 Baptists in a room, you got 25 different opinions. I mean, you just, you just look at this congregation here this morning. We, you think we are similar in virtually every aspect, and yes, we do have some similarities. But I mean, if you start peeling back the layers of who we are, there, there's, there's a lot of diversity in this congregation. There's a lot of variety in this congregation. We see things in different ways, and I think that is beautiful. I think that is beautiful when a congregation that is marked by diversity can come together solely around one thing, one thing, and that's our commitment to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, the one thing that binds us together is our belief that Jesus guides our life. He gave himself for us and our salvation. And more than anything else, what we focus on is advancing his cause in the community and beyond even to the ends of the earth the challenge that most congregations face, quite frankly. And especially now, more than ever, I'm telling you, church is harder to do today than it's ever been in my 43 years of pastoral ministry. And I look out and I see so many churches trying to come together around everything other than Jesus their musical taste, their political views, their economic interests. Now, none of these things is inherently evil, but none of them 
not a single one of them, must be allowed to rise to the place that only Jesus should occupy. For when a congregation seeks to come together around musical taste or political views or economic interest or anything other than Jesus, it will be unsustainable, unsustainable. The one thing that binds us together is our experience with Jesus and our desire to make sure that we bear witness to his light, the transformations that he brings about to everyone, to everyone to whom God calls us to go. And so Paul says to the church, you've got to aim for perfection if you want to be more than you have ever considered yourself being. Encourage one another. Don't bring each other down. Come together around Jesus and agree with one another. Even if there's nothing else that you have in common, if you have Jesus in common, that's all you need. And finally, Paul tells the church to grow with one another. And by growing with one another, Paul's not necessarily talking about numerical growth. And in the coming days, post-COVID, when people's attendance patterns have been altered dramatically, no, no, no one knows what the future holds in terms of people's investment, involvement, participation in church. It will be radically different. And yet, in the face of all of that, the great challenge that congregations will face is the challenge to continue to find ways to grow together spiritually more deeply, to become more profound in their discipleship, to have a greater impact. That will attract people in the days ahead as nothing else will and when you look at 2 Corinthians, when you look at the church at Corinth, that distracted, dysfunctional church, they didn't have a problem encouraging one another. That, that wasn't their issue. They really didn't have a problem agreeing with it, one another. Even though there were factions in the church, they, they all had made a commitment to Jesus. What happened in Corinth is that the church became complacent. The church became complacent. And the church at Corinth thought that it had arrived. And the church at Corinth thought that they could put things in neutral and coast until Jesus came. And it was at that moment that all of these problems began to surface among that fellowship. The great temptation that Mount Brook Baptist Church will face in the coming days will be the temptation to lapse into complacency and to be satisfied with status quo. And to think that God 
has nothing new to do in our midst. Just to become ordinary. And brothers and sisters, you know this. If there's anything that this Mountain Brook community disrespects and disregards more, it's any group that is content to be ordinary. So in the days ahead, as you call a new senior minister, God has so much more that God wants to do in this church and through this church. God has so much more growth for this church to experience. God has so much more for this church to do so that for this congregation among any other church that I could ever think of to become complacent would not only be a dead aim, it would be a dead end. Aim higher. Aim for perfection. Move toward the goal of becoming more and more each day the church that Jesus needs you to be. So as I bring to conclusion 10 years of pastoral ministry in this congregation and 43 years of pastoral ministry in a host of other wonderful, wonderful churches. God has truly blessed me every step along the way. What a gift it has been to walk with you over this last decade. And know that Judy and I will continue to walk with you, albeit at a distance. You can rest assured that uh, we will be encouragers. We will be in agreement with how the Spirit of God leads this congregation and we will seek to be growing with you that we too might find ourselves always in the center of God's will. That is what I think is a perfect aim. It's not about being unblemished or sinless. The word really means to be whole and to be complete. And isn't that what we want? To be whole, to be complete, to be more than we are today. So brothers and sisters, listen to my appeal. As I bid you goodbye, even as did Paul, the church at Corinth. Lift that aim. If I can use one more golfing expression, let's, let's not spray it out of bounds. Let's keep it in the straight and the narrow path that Jesus blazed. Cross-shaped path to be sure, but the straight and narrow path that Jesus blazed. It's a path we need to stay in. 
because it alone is the path that will lead us to life. Life now, life tomorrow, and life forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work. Amen.